Thank you, God. You heard the words we sang. We are here this morning standing before you. You are a holy God. You are a God of justice. You are a God who sees all things. You see into the very depth of our heart. I pray, Lord, you would take me, my faltering tongue, all my insecurities. I'm scared, Lord, this morning. And I pray that you would move. And this morning, we learn to know who you are. And the things that <clears throat> that happened over the last several weeks, Lord, the contacts that I had, the things that were shared, and Lord, I wonder why. But God, you are God. And I'm just going to rest on the fact that you are overall, and that you are an all-knowing God. And God, this morning, if you'll take my voice and heal it, that I can just speak as you'd want me to speak. And God, you are the one who led the children of Israel out of Egypt by your mighty hand. You are the one who opened the Red Sea that they walked across on dry land. You are the one who took a man who was belligerent. You are the one who took him and he said, no, I will not go preach the gospel to a heathen, lost, dying world. And you shucked him overboard and you built a fish just for him. And yet, Lord, Many people received forgiveness that day as they dressed in sackcloth and ashes. Lord, to the point where they took even the animals and put them in sackcloth. You're the one who saved the three Hebrew boys. And you went in there yourself in that hot fire. And God, so we just rest in you. We bring ourselves before you to the foot of the cross. May the cross of Christ shine bright today in our lives. You are the one who gives us hope through Jesus. You are the one who understands all things, even though I don't understand myself, Lord. But you do. So we rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, um, I think this is all by divine appointment that I'm sharing here this morning and not a week ago. When Brother Roger, I mean, Brother Jeremy asked me to share, he was going to, he asked me if I would share last Sunday. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I can. You know, just getting home from the show down in California. And um, I thought, well, I'll just let God have his way. Then he called me back later and said, "You know what? Would you be um, would you be good to just push it off for one more week, and just share today instead?" I'm like, "Thank you, Lord." And uh, so here we are this morning, and I'm glad that it happened because there's some um, things. Thank you. You're the water boy today. Thank you. Um, God always needs water boys. <clears throat> so. Um, there's some very interesting things that happened to me in the last several weeks. Um, things that I could not have. You know, sometimes you wonder, you see these things happen to you and come your way. And sometimes you have, there is no way in Jose that you, can, that you could even try to fit this all together. There's just no way. You know, it's a God thing. And uh, so, uh, me and my wife, we went down to uh, California, down to the show. And um, after being going down there for almost 10 years, I thought maybe it's her turn to go, and uh, which I wanted to take her before, but others wanted to go. 
I had this good friend from Ohio. He called and says, man, he'd really like to go to the show today. So I went back to her and told her. I says, man, I, I said, I don't know. My buddy Tom, he wants to go to the show. And I said, man, I'd really like to take him again. And uh, and uh, not with the idea of trying to uh, um, put her aside. That was not the point at all. But um, I much enjoy his friendship. I call him my bosom friend. And, uh, and she... she was willing to submit to that and to and to lay down her wish and uh, for for the sake of all that and I thought and later I thought you know that's kind of stupid you know I should have just been man enough to just tell him like you're out of luck buddy my wife's gone and uh, but I wasn't man enough to do that <laughs> so so I was like well now what do I do I'm not going to call him back and. Um, <clears throat> I didn't want to, you know, it puts me in a bad light, which is pride, right? Let's just get real. And uh, I thought, you know what? If God owns the cows on a thousand hills, he can fix that problem too, right? So I decided, I cemented, to, you know what? I'm just start going to pray. I'm going to pray, God, move in this man's heart, and he'll have some kind of excuse. Something will come up that he can't go. Guess what? About a few days later, here the phone rings. He said, hey. He said, I, he said, I have this and this and this going. He said, there's just no way I can come. I'm like, praise the Lord. <laughs> so God is good. God is good. And uh, so we left Thursday night and uh, slept in Redding, California. And uh, first night and uh, drove on down. We had good driving, all dry roads. I asked the Lord for all dry roads. We had you know, no big traffic jams. And uh, then, uh, so that was all good. We got down there. And then Saturday, there wasn't much to do. So I told my wife, I said, you know what? Let's just drive on down to L.A. like we never saw a big city before, which we didn't get into L.A. We went to some um, some friends that I had down there. There's a little church down there. One of the pastors is Bruce Good. And... <laughs> So I decided that I called him up, and uh, well, I tried. I didn't have his number, so I was, I was like, um, asked my one daughter for his his wife's number. She had it, so I texted her, and I thought I had her number, and uh, it wasn't her. It was another lady. She said, "You got the wrong number." I said, "Well, man, my apologies. I did not mean. I'm I'm looking for this other lady because I wanted her. I really wanted her husband's number, but I had no way of getting it." So we tried her daughter, and uh, that number didn't work either. And I'm like, now what are we going to do? And so my wife, she tried a different source, and now we got hold of that. So now I was scared to text anybody, because i like, well, what if I had known up with another hobo on the street somewhere? I didn't know. And so I said, well, I'll just, um, I said, is this Bruce good? And he texts right back, yes, sir. I'm like, I got the man. And um, so I texted him, and then I called him and told him, I, we're up here in Tulare. I like to come down and visit um, Saturday afternoon. We were there for supper, and we had a very enjoyable time together. Got back to the hotel about 10 o'clock and uh, got rolling again early in the morning because my wife, um, I would have probably went down there to church this time, but she wanted to go up to Squaw Valley again. So I went up there. We went up there, and uh, we had a really good uh, service. And uh, this preacher from Alaska, I don't know how to, David... um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. What? Rubio. Roger, do you know that? Well, anyway, he would have been with Mose and Denny Keniston way back in the day. And now he lives in Alaska. But he preached a message. And their church normally runs from 10 to 12.30. And I'm sitting there like this. I shouldn't think, feel this way, but I'm just going to be brutally honest here. I was sitting there, oh, my goodness. I mean, 12.30, that's going to be a long service. <laughs> I kind of forgot. And... um well, he starts preaching, and he says, you know, he said, I'm running out of time. It's already after 12 o'clock, and I was sitting on the edge of my seat, so to speak, <laughs> and i like, it cannot be closing time. It cannot be 12.30 already, and he was closing down, but I'd just like to share six points that he gave before we enter this message here. He, gave, he, said, he said this. <clears throat> he gave six points. Faith made shipwreck. You know, what makes your faith go shipwreck? 
And the Bible never gives a warning where there is no danger. I thought that was really profound. And here's the six points. I'll just read them off. They, uh, they left their first love. It talks about, in, um, Nove- in, um, not in November, but in Revelation, it talks about them leaving their first love. And he talked about that. You leave your first love, you're going to shipwreck. I ignore a warning. If you, I ignore warnings that the Bible clearly gives, I am going to be shipwrecked, right? I mean, it's like the children's lesson, you know. And, you know, if I have a casual spirit, and we're going to talk about some of that about today. If I have a casual spirit toward God and the things of God, I'm going to shipwreck. I'm not going to make it. And then the fourth thing he talked about was drift and compromise. You know, if I drift toward the world and what it has to offer and compromise on, on little things that, well, really don't matter, um, most likely I'll start compromising on big issues. Yesterday, anyway, that's a different story. Um, the fifth thing, I don't fix it. Did you ever think about that? I don't fix it. You know a faucet? It just drips, drips. Um, for example, in our office, in the lunchroom, there's this, the floor was always wet in the bathroom, like under the vanity. And I'm like, why is this thing always wet? I mean, this is not good. And uh, one day I seen uh, one of the guys in there wrenching on this thing, and I was like, new faucet. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, you turn it on, it just runs down in a, it don't go down, it, it all don't come out of the spout. It runs down on the, I'm like, well, goodness, that's why this floor in the, is all wet. We don't fix it. It's a slow drip, drip. And what he was talking about was habits, um, you know, besetting sins, the little foxes that come in and wreck the vines, um, anger, slander, and he had multiple. These are just some of them. And the last one he had, he he goes, uh, life will hit you harder than you think. And I'm like, I like, what do you mean by that? And he just asked a simple question. How strong is your faith? We need each other. We need each other. And, uh, yeah, he's a very, um, he's not a, a, a dynamic speaker, but he was very, like, wow. The time just, like, poof, flew. And then yesterday I'm like, well, I'm just, I, I didn't go help move. So that prayer of blessing, Jeremy, that you prayed, I missed out. But, but, but I felt like I just needed some time alone. And, uh. You know, God has a way of fixing that, too. And he said, he goes, I'll just send you people, and I'll send you phone calls. And <laughs> so there's some people that stopped in, and and then this message is more or less birthed out of a, some, some people I talked to over the last several weeks that really kind of like, why, Lord? I'll just relay one story before we get started. Just, and this just happened this past week. <clears throat> I was talking to this young man, and uh, he stopped into the shop, and we just got talking about this and that and another thing, and the conversation just went from one thing to another, and being who I am, who I am, I just, you know, it 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 drifted on personal life, what's really going on inside, and yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> and he was kind of standing around, and, you know, I was pretty much done with the conversation, and but it, I don't. I didn't know him very good. I hardly knew him. I knew who he is. I really didn't know him. And uh, I was moving on toward my next maneuver. And then he asked this question. He asked this question, and I don't know if it was loaded or what, but it really shocked me when he asked. He said, "He said, have you ever?" contemplated or thought about suicide i'm like what you know this guy is a christian and uh i just pulled the e-brake right there i'm just like i i didn't know what to say i said i just know from things in my wife's family things that happened there i just know it is not a good deal. <clears throat> I didn't know what to say. Well, he just wondered. And we chit-chat a little bit. I told him, you know, somebody that goes down that road, they think about themselves, not their family, 
not eternity, all these type of things. And he kind of pushed back a little bit. I said, whoa. I said, ha uh-uh. I said, you will never convince me of that. And um, he thanked me for the talk and listening to him. I thought, man, it's high time I get back to work. Clock's ticking. And then I got scared. And so that's about all I could think about for the next however long. I got scared. I called him back up. I says, hey, I was glad I had his number because he called me earlier that day or shot me a text. And so I scrambled through, <laughs> scrambled through my text and I found his number. I called him back up. And I said, hey, I said, is there a, I said, in a nutshell, why did you ask that question? Because I know that, um, I know enough to know that there's a reason why he's asking that. And I wanted to know. And, you know, if this young man needs some help, I want to be there available to help him or help him find help if that is where he's at personally. I didn't know. He goes, well, he said, you know, there's times in his life when he feels the darkness is so great, he wonders if he can make it. So I just told him, I says, you know, I said, there's there's two things that I just want to share with you real quick. I said, I took enough of your time. And I said, if if you want to, if I said, here's two things I want to tell you. I said, Jesus has answer to all your problems. I said, I said, number one, I said, that's number one. Number two, I said, go find somebody in your church or somebody, a spiritual person, somebody that has a heartbeat and a passion for the things of God. That can help you. Somebody who you could trust. And to help you navigate life. That you can just share the core. The bottom core of your heart. And I said. Be, and I will tell you right up front. I said I'm talking from experience. Because I find myself, myself. When I was your age. Or maybe even younger. I don't know how old he is. <clears throat> and I found that. I, God led me to a person like that. And I said. And be rest assured. They will not tell you what you want to hear. But I said, it's okay. You stay on the wagon and you, and you, uh, <clears throat> they'll help you. I said, find help if you need help. Do not try to, try to figure it out yourself. You know, the Bible, Jesus has the answer for you. And so he really thanked me for, um, this little bit of counsel I gave him. And, uh, <clears throat> but, you know, just previous to that, I had a conversation with a young, another young man down there in California. I don't know him very good. I know who he is, and uh, which I'll talk about that later. But this young man, he came up to me. I walked into the church, and he basically met me at the door. He said, oh, it's so good to you. He said, it must be showtime again. I said, that's why I'm here. He said, well, it's good to see you. And he said, by the way, he said, I want to talk to you after church. I didn't know what he wanted. I, I said, okay, no problem. And... Uh, I know who he is. I know where he belongs in the family tree and all these types of things, but I don't really know him. And I was not prepared for the things he shared with me because I was like, you have got to be kidding. I, when he started talking, I was just arguing questions to him, and finally I just shut up because cause he, at one point in time he told me, he says, you know, he said, I'll get there, I'll get there. Like, how did you get there? And he said, I'll get there. And so finally, I just shut up and listened to him, and all he just shared. And uh, I walked away. I, I, I just like, God's hand is at work in the hearts and lives of people. And I'll share about that later. In half an hour. Okay. I want to be sensitive to your time, but those are things that are gone on, and this is here, how we got here. And I was asking God for a message. And in the last couple of weeks, I was just, God, what is your heart? And why these, why these uh, young men who are, who are struggling and have struggled, and uh, myself and, and other people, maybe they haven't come forward or shared or whatever. And I was like, why, Lord? And uh, why do I find myself, you know, struggling with these whatever and, and, you know, feelings that I have and, and, you know, I come to know one, to one thing and God, I feel like God gave me this message and it may not be for you, but it's for me. 
So I'm just going to speak out of uh, my heart this morning, if you'll just allow me to do that. Is that fair enough? And uh, if this shoe fits you, I would encourage you to wear it, okay? So let's turn back here to Exodus. We're going to go back to the Old Testament. And there's this verse that was pointed out to me some time ago, quite some time ago. And I turned to it many times, and I just kept reading it and rereading this verse. And I'm like, what? I mean, I can't. Im- I cannot imagine. Um, and I'm like, it really caught my attention. So we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 33. Okay? So my title of the message is, um, I'm just going to put this right out there, because Jeremy, he'll text me, call me, and he'll want to know what the title. So here's the message. Jeremy, you ready? Knowing God intimately. Okay, you got that? Knowing God intimately. So basically what I'm saying, to know God's heart and his mind. Okay? Can you, you got all that? Okay. So many people know about God, but few people know God intimately. Few God, few people know God's heart and his, and his mind, what he really, his will, what he really wants you to know about him. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. You know, it's sad. Um, you know, can you imagine how sad it'll be on the resurrection day to meet God face to face and we, and we don't even know, and we don't even know him? You know, it's not good enough to know about God, but we need to know, we need to know him. We're going to talk about that. Okay. Let's turn to Exodus 33 and I'm just going to read because the only thing that's really worthwhile saying here is what the Bible has to say. Okay. So Exodus 33, here we go. And the Lord said unto Moses, depart from and go up thence. Now this is right after, let me see, in chapter 32, it talks about, um, this is um, when uh, they made a golden calf and, and uh, you know, there was lots of drama going on. And now in chapter 33, and, and the Lord said unto Moses, depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou has brought up for out of the land of Egypt, and unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and will drive out the Canaanite, Amorite, Hittite, Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now I want you to get this next phrase, and get this good. For I will not go up in the midst of thee. Did you get that? I have this underlined in my Bible. For I will not, God is saying this, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And the people heard these evil tidings. They mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord said unto unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, You are stiff-necked people. I will not go into the into the midst of thee in a moment, and and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments and of the by the Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, and afar off from the far off from the camp and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cl- cloudy pillar stood stand at the tabernacle's door. And the people, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses, get this, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, 
and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And he said unto me, if thy presence go not with me, carry me not up thence. For wherein shall it be known here? And I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated. I and thy people from all the, all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Let's read verse 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. You know, there's a couple things here. If we're going to know God's heart, I'm going to have to be a little careful so I don't lose my voice. The necessity of knowing God. And verse 13 is the key to knowing God's heart. And uh, that we may find grace in thy sight. And... uh, and to show me thy way. You know, with, with, with Moses, you know, he knew the ways of God. He didn't just know God, but he knew the ways of God. He, knew, he, didn't, just, uh, he didn't just know the works of God. He knew the ways of God. And uh, God showed him that because he had a passion. He had a heart for God to know God. Where am I this morning? We'll talk about that a little later. <clears throat> In order to know God intimately... We have to know the ways of God. We're not, you know, if you want to know somebody, you have to spend time with them. You have to spend, um, interact with them. You have to dialogue with them. You have to, to try to understand where they're at. You know, when I courted my wife, I thought I knew her. And she thought she knew me. But you know, when we got married, boy, did we have a wide awakening. You know, we didn't know each other like we know each other after almost 30 years, you know. And uh, even on this trip, you know, there's things that she, we talked about, like, wow, you know, things that I could do better at, things that she could do better at. And uh, so it was good and uh, that we learned to know the hearts and the minds um, of our spouses, but not only spouses, but more so of God, who God is and what he has to what he really wants for you and for me. You know, many people, too many people know the works of God. They know what God does, but they do not know his ways and much less know who he is. Let's turn to Psalm 103, Psalm 103. And it says like this in verse seven, it says, it says he had, and I have this underlined. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts. Let's just change that word acts to works, his works unto the children of Israel. You know, the children of Israel, they saw his works, but they didn't know his ways. And uh, I just think that's interesting. And uh, <clears throat> we need to look beyond the works of God and see the ways of God. The New Testament men, Peter, James, John, they knew the Lord Jesus intimately. They knew how he thought. They, they wanted to know how he thought. They wanted to know his, his ways his, and the way he is. The, what is. What is his heart cry? What is his heartbeat for you? Knowing the ways of God will bring peace to our troubled souls, tranquility to our lives. Tranquility has the idea of, um, let me see here. I'm not a Webster, but I had to look it up. Can you believe that? Tranquility means to calm. It will bring calmness to our lives. It will bring stability to our lives and uh, victory to to our spiritual walk. If we don't have that... If we just know the works of God, we're just going to be infatuated with, um, we're just going to be enthralled how, how the works of God. I mean, can you believe this? Can you imagine if the budget news went out and the, and the sea parted? Can you imagine if they would have had the budget back then? And, you know, all these scribes writing in. Can you imagine this million people going across this Red Sea and the water split? And, I mean, hold it. I mean, the Egyptians, they were flogging through here and whoosh, they were gone. Can you imagine and, you know, we would just be infatuated with what's going on. But you know what? Moses, he saw the ways of God, how God, how God deals with, with the sinner and how God deals with wicked nations and so forth and so on. And, you know, um, you know, if we're just infatuated with God, 
you know, our, when, when hard times come, when disappointments come, you know what happens? My faith begins to waver. Is God who he really says he is? You know, God, does God even love you, love me? You know, this young man that I was dialoguing with this past week, you know, and, and one of the statements he made was like this. He said, what is my purpose in this life? He said, I would like to know what my purpose in life is. He had some kind of question like that. And I'm just like, you know, what value do I... I said, so what you're telling me, if I'm hearing you right, what you're telling me is what value do I bring to the kingdom? What value do I bring to this world? And you know, my apologies, I was not thinking fast enough, but I plan to, now that i got his phone number, I plan to dialogue a little more with this young man. And I'm going to tell him, you know what, God has a purpose and a plan for you, and don't miss it. Because, you know, there's many times that um, you're probably the only person can really fill that position. You weren't just, and I've said this before, many times across this pulpit, you were not just flung out there, you know, just figure it out for yourself. You were not designed for that. God has a purpose, a plan for you. And uh, what that plan is, you know, for you, I just know one thing, that God wants you to serve him. And to, and he will show you what his plan for you is, you know, as we walk out our daily lives here. <clears throat> oh my, we're gonna. <laughs> if I learn to know the heart of God and to see from his perspective, from his perspective and his work in my life, you know, try to give me an internal, um, eternal value, uh, eternal perspective, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, I, I was going to bring an object like an, I chickened out. I chickened out. I wasn't sure who was all going to be here this morning. <laughs> and I uh, wasn't sure if I should, so I just chickened out another day. And if you want to know what it is, um, I probably won't tell you, but I already said something to Roger a long time ago. He said, yeah, he said, that'd be a good idea. But I'm sorry, brother, but I got scared. You long forgot. I can tell by your face. Okay, so I have three perspectives in knowing God's heart and his mind. Number one, the way of tranquility means a calm, at peace, resting. Let's look at, um, back to our text again, verse 13. He says, <clears throat> sorry, 14. And he says, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee what? Come on. Rest. rest. I will give you rest. And so what more do you want as you walk, walk out your life for God, you know, to just to be able to rest, not this turbulent sea and, you know, like you're on some little boat out in the middle of the ocean, just up and down and all over the place, but just to finally just rest in God and knowing that I am in God's care. I don't understand the storm that is blowing and raging out there, maybe in my heart. I don't understand it all. But God, I know that you are on the throne and you're good all the time and I'm not going to worry. You know, that's a whole lot easier said than done. I know that. I just had a, I had a phone call yesterday. This guy came up and he called me up and he said, you know, I'm just going to, you know, he just like, God's like, fine. You want to be here all by yourself because you want some time to think and meditate and carry on? Cause, and um, he said, I'll just send people phone calls. I'm like, I'm just going to put this thing down. And uh, this this man, he called, he called me up. He says, you know, he says, he says, you know, many times he said, I find it more stressful to worry about the tomorrow than if I would just simply take today at its, what God gave me for that day. I'm like, amen. That is so good. Don't worry about tomorrow. And, uh, cause I needed to hear that right then. And, uh, you know, don't worry about the tomorrows that may come. Just rest in the fact that God gives me what I need today. It will give us rest. If we know God casually, we will never have rest. I'm just going to have to quickly read down across what I have penciled in here. The children of Israel were constantly worrying, murmuring, because all they saw were the works of God. You know, if I'm just, if I'm, if I just see the works of God, I don't understand his ways. I'm just constantly worried and fretting and murmuring like, God, you need to change this and take, you know, you know, rearrange this. And I find myself, you know, trying to rearrange my circumstances to match, match my fancy. And, um, you know, because I don't understand the ways of God. And so this morning, I want to try to lift and to show you or myself that I would understand the ways of God and not just the works of God. That I would try to understand God's heart for my life this morning. 
You know, they saw the miracles of God. They saw the ten plagues. They saw the Red Sea open. They saw, they saw the death angel, God himself, as he, he struck the, the firstborn of the, of the children of, of the Egyptians, of the cattle, and, and all these things. Can you imagine that the, the, the death of all the firstborn of the cattle and animals and insects and bugs and whatever? And they saw that. And you know, they saw where, they were protected by some of them. You know, there was light here and there was darkness here. They saw a pillar of cloud as the, as the Egyptians were approaching them. They saw that there was darkness. You know, they saw these things. And it's easy for me to get into a place, well, why didn't they catch on? Why didn't they just simply trust God? They saw these things. So why didn't they just rest? But see, that's what happens when I am infatuated by the works of God and all these miracles, just like we heard this morning. You know, and the, you know, like these people that see these miracles of God and see these healings, they're not so much, you know, that's just commonplace. They don't get all excited about, well, yeah, so and so got healed today. You know, but they want Bibles. They want to know the ways of God. Okay, now where were we here? Oh, they saw that, they saw the manna in the wilderness taken out of Exodus 16. They saw water come out of a rock of all things. You know, taken out of Exodus 17. But they did not know the ways of God. God was grieved at his heart by this generation of people who did not have his rest. And uh, let's go to Hebrews uh, 3. Hebrews 3. And let's see what Hebrews has to tell us. Let me see if I can find it here. Hebrews 3. Let's uh, read uh, verse 10 and 11. And it reads like this. 10 and 11. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my where. So I swear in my truth that they shall not enter into my rest. My question to you this morning, are you entered into his rest? The children of Israel were doing fine as long as the works of God pleased them. Isn't that how we find ourselves? Hey, you know, life is good because everything's, you know, everything's coming my way. You know, I, I went to a Bill Gother seminar many years ago and they had this guest speaker there and I was just, I was sitting there, you know, trying to learn and, and so forth. And they had this guest speaker and he said one thing, you know, there's a lot of things I forgot what he was said at that meeting, but one thing I do remember good and get this good and bad run a parallel tracks. You remember this good and bad run a parallel tracks. Okay. You on the train and they arrive about the same time. All he was saying, and you know, I marinated on that for a long time. I still do. And I have to think, you know, what did he mean by that? You know what? He, you know, this is what I took out of it. Okay. You know, the life as life is dishing out to me, the good, the bad, and the otherwise, you know, at the end of the day, it arrives about the same time, you know, so let God be God. You know, if life was always good, we wouldn't need God. You know, it'd be easy just to forget God because, you know, there's biblical stance for that as children of Israel. When life was pouring out all the blessings upon them, guess what happened? They forgot God. And, you know, God is not just the spare tire in the trunk. And if you're like me, you go on a trip, you forget to check the spare tire. When you use it, it's flat. So that don't do you no good. <coughs> or you don't have a spare tire at all. <coughs> Our ways and God's ways are different. Let's allow God to have his way. Peace and rest will come when I come to know and understand God's heart. Peter, to get this, Peter and James were both arrested. Peter and James were both arrested. And they were both put in the same prison. But what happened to them? James lost his head. But Peter was miraculously delivered. Now I can sit there and say, you know what? That's not fair. That's not fair. You know, they were caught at the same time for preaching the gospel. James lost his head and Peter gets delivered. You know, in some ways, James, this probably fell their head. He didn't have this battle on earth. Didn't have this battle in on this earth anymore. He was delivered forevermore. Peter. He preached the day of Pentecost. How many souls were saved that day? How many came to the church? 3,000. He was preaching, right? Stephen preached. What happened to him? What happened to him? Anybody know? 
He got stoned. He got stoned. He died. And we may say, it's not fair. If all I can see is the works of God, I will be hopelessly confused. You know, just like the children of Israel. They were confused. You know, God's way often confuses human wisdom. God's ways often confuse human wisdom. God's ways brings me peace and rest. Taken out of Exodus 33:14. A knowledge of God's ways will bring rest to my troubled soul. The second one, the way of stability. And that's taken out of Exodus 15. I'm not going to take the time to read it. Unstable Christians are infatuated with God. When God parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel sang the song of Moses and the Lamb, taken out of Exodus 15, 1-14, they were leaping and dancing and praising God for what He had done. But what happened, if you continue to read the Scripture, what happened three days later? What happened? Amen now? Come on. Three days later, if you read in that passage... Um, and you can read it for yourself. They were out in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining because there was no water there. Now, can you imagine? And so Moses had to, um, or God had to get, bring water out of this rock for the children of Israel, you know, because they didn't understand the ways of God. And, you know, they were to the point they even wanted to go back to Egypt you know, how many times in our Christian life, you know, it was so much easier to serve self. It was so much easier to just go back to my old ways and just to and, and forget the battle and just do what I want to do. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's just, I'm not, you know, we have the purpose in our heart. I'm not going to go back there because it is just going to be destruction to my soul. And I am not going to live the way I want to live for 70 years and then all eternity Without God. If I don't know God's ways, I will, I will not be a stable Christian. Sometimes I will be up and sometimes I will be down. Wanting to go back to Egypt, into bondage. I need to learn to know the heart and the mind of God. How do I, how do I learn that? How do I do that? By reading His Word. By prayer. Spending time with Him. Communicating with Him. Just like you would a, a friend. There were those who followed Jesus when they saw His works. You know, he fed the 5,000. He had a huge crowd. And again, if you read in um, read in John 6, I believe it is, when Jesus fed the 5,000, many followed him. But I just have this pen. And when he talked to them about deeper, deeper spiritual principles, what happened? They left him. And then in, in chapter 6, I think about verse 67, he was asking the 12 disciples, are you going to leave me also? Are you going to forsake me too? Or am I going to, am I going to have to go by myself? The third thing is the necessity of God. The necessity of being there. Moses was called up into Mount Sinai. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and the plan for the tabernacle. Moses came down and saw Aaron had made the golden calf. And I like, I like, I shouldn't be this way, but I kind of like, um, Aaron's, uh, uh, his cockamamie excuse why, you know, hey, you know, we just shucked this gold into the fire and out comes this calf. And, you know, wouldn't that be so cool if I could just throw in some dirt and out comes gold? You know, we would all be like, wow. You know, and, and, you know, Moses, he's like, he's not buying into that thought process. You know, Aaron, come on. You know, you are not doing your due diligence here. You are not leading these people like you were, you were, you know, it says, the Bible says that Moses, Moses' anger waxed hot. You know, what was that like? You know, um, you know, he was just a man and he was ticked off and he was very upset. But the Bible also says, Moses, get down there. These people. And he told them. And it says that God's anger was very severe at these people. It says, I have here, God's anger burned against them. What was that like? It burned against them. And Moses, he was frightened because of God's anger. And he knew God had every right to eradicate the people. Taken out of Exodus 32. In Exodus 32, where it talks about that. I'm not going to take the time to read it. You can read in Exodus 32, um, about verses from 11 to and on, a couple verses there. Well, I'll just, it's only a few verses. I'll just read them. 
Exodus 32, um, we'll start at verse 11. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thine anger wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief you did he bring them out, and to slay them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. And then Moses, as he was digging traction here, he was trying to convince God, this is what you need to do. He was interceding for the people. He says, remember, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, thy service to whom thou swearest in thine own self, and sayest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I will give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And verse 14 says, And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. You know, when I read that, I'm like, you know, he thinks like I do. He's a man. He th- and, God said, and God could have said, you know what, Moses? Just, whoa, stop. Just stop your thought process, your rambling thoughts and all these things. I am God of the heaven. I put all the stars in the universe. I spoke this universe, this earth into, and put everything in an orbit. You don't think, you don't think, Moses, that I could... I could give you a whole brand new batch of people and I could, I could even dominate the Egyptians' thought process and they wouldn't know the difference. But you know, Moses, he thinks like a man. He thought like, he thinks like I do. You know, what about all these promises you made to me? You know, and verse, uh, going back to chapter 33, in answer to Moses' intercession, um, verse, verse, verses one and three. Chapter 33, and Moses said, and, and the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up thence, and thou and the people which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham and to Isaac Jacob, saying unto, unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee. And he, he told him, he's going to drive out all these people. And verse 3 it says, and I, Unto a land of milk flowing with milk and honey. And uh, so he God, he... He, he, um, as Moses interceded for the people, God changed his plan. But you know, there's only two that made it into the promised land. He drove out the inhabitants of the land. He, 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 he promised them protection. He promised them victory, that they would have a land flowing with milk and honey. But God was not going there with them. And Moses, he pled with God. He said, God, if you don't go with them, if you don't go up there, I'm not going along. He said, I don't want to go. And you know, Moses, he never did make it into Canaan. Moses did not want to go into Canaan without God. He did not want the blessing without the blesser, you know. He did not want victory without the victor being there. He did not want the land without God being there. And here's a few questions for myself. Can I have provision and protection and still not have God's presence? The masses say they are saved and going to heaven, but few know God. How many of us, in, cha- in Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14, I'm not going to take the time to read it, how many of us would have taken what was offered Moses and not have been bothered that God's presence is not with us? You know, how many of us would have done that if I would have done that? You know, I'm deeply disturbed as I watch, as I get myself into many of these Anabaptist churches and my travels and across the country. And I've asked, often asked this question, how many times have we have all these programs going and we just plow ahead, hammer down, and the God is nowhere in the picture? We got the system figured out. We have all the T's cross the eyes dotted and we are hammered down we got the we got our programs going and god is nowhere in this picture he sent an angel instead of god himself how many times does god give us the desires of our hearts but he sends leanness into our souls taken out of psalm 106 too many times we live in a prison of prosperity and think that everything is fine I wrote down it like this. It is very dangerous thinking to be satisfied with the things of this world and have Canaan without the presence of God. Do you want what, do you want what you have without the presence of God? 
because I think it's a good thing. To know God's heart is there is peace and stability and necessity. It is ne- very necessary to have, have God's presence with us. I shall not take prosperity and victory, a land flowing with milk and honey, or anything else as a substitute for knowing God's heart. Did you get that? You, well, I need a purpose. I shall not take prosperity or victory, a land flowing with milk and honey, or anything else that is a substitute for knowing God's heart. An old uh, Saint Augustine once asked this question, and, I, and I, I'll quote it to you. I wrote it down. If God were to come to you and offer you anything you wanted, every pleasure, every de- you desire, that you will live forever, but you would never see his face, would you take that proposition? If I say no to that, then I would have the pure love of God. You know, sometimes I wonder, where am I at? Would I be willing to, you know, go over here because of all the the things this life has to offer, all these things the world has to offer, you know, maybe not bad things. Maybe they're good things. Am I willing to trade that off for knowing who God is? You know, if you read in Matthew, and I checked again this morning, I was pretty sure, so I checked in Matthew 4, when the devil tempted Jesus, what was the last thing he tempted him with? What was the last thing? Anybody know? He tempted him with the whole world. You know, he took him up on a high pinnacle and he showed him the world, the land, all. He said, you know what? This is all yours. This is all yours. But I want you to bow down and worship me. Moses did not want to go to Canaan without God. He did not want the angel and the victory. He wanted God in the victory. Do you want God in the victory this morning or do you just want an angel and and, and the victory? He did not want milk and honey. He wanted God himself. He was desperate for God. In conclusion, God is not satisfied with me and is not finished with me until my chief desire is God and God alone. To know him is to love him. To love Him is to trust Him. To trust Him is to obey Him. And to obey Him is to be blessed. And to be blessed is to be a blessing. And I ask myself, am I infatuated with Him? Or is He my sole desire to know the heart and the mind of God? Are you there? Am I there? Last Sunday, I... uh, Started, started telling this story. I know it's five, five minutes after. And I told Joel, I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you next Sunday when I have to preach. So can I buy some time? Are you good with that? So when I was down in Squaw Valley, like I said, I had this young man come to me. Close your Bibles. I'm done. I'm just going to re, re, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this little story. I uh, shot him a text. I had his number. And uh, I said, hey, I've been thinking about you for the last week. And he, you've been on my mind last week. And I was deeply touched by your testimony. And I said, I need to preach this coming Sunday. I said, can I tell your testimony? I said, I won't use your name. I said, I have lots of... Johnny and Henry's and Junior and Sally's and Susie's. I said, you'll just be another Johnny. And uh, <laughs> so I didn't hear from him for a day or two. And I thought, oh my, he's probably struggling a little bit. And so he, um, and I don't know how to do this because I'm not very techy. Here he leaves me a long voice message on my, on my, on my um, text thing. He said, just go right ahead. If it, I don't even remember what he says. Just go ahead. He said, uh, it's all good. He said, if you have any questions, call me back. Well, I didn't call him back. And so I'm just going to share with him, share with you some of the things he shared with me. And it really got my wheels turning. So this young man, when he came to me, just as before we went into the church, into the sanctuary, he comes up to me and says, hey, he says, good to see you here. He said, I want to, t- I want to share with you. He said, I, I got to talk to you before you leave. 
And I said, okay. And so me and my wife, we were talking to some Oregon friends that we have had down there for many years. And, uh, he was standing there and visiting with other people. They, they have, they had a shared meal there. And, uh, so finally I, he was standing outside and, uh, so I went out to talk to him. He said, Hey, he said, uh, he said, you remember that text I sent to you about in November? I said, November. I said, no. I said, I have no clue what you sent me. And he said, would you read it? And so I said, okay. I said, and I still haven't read it because it really don't matter anymore. And so he, he said, I just want to tell you something. He said, that was a lie. He said, I'm here to apologize. So I don't know what he wrote because I didn't read it. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, it was January 11th. He said, I got born again. I said, you what? I said, I got born again. This guy's early 20s. And I said, what happened to you? He said, I was living a lie. I was living a lie. I said, what do you mean? He said, I, 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 he said, I was leading songs. I was leading uh, Bible studies. I was leader at prayer meeting. He said, I was just living a lie. And I was just shaking to the core. I was hanging on the side of the wagon, so to speak. I said, what happened to you? Why? He said, just hang on. He said, I'll get there. And I said, oh, I'll shut up. I'll just let him talk. And for the next half hour, he just talked. He said, I'm telling you, Glenn. He said, I had a girlfriend in town. I, he said, I consumed large amounts of alcohol. I said, you what? He said, yeah. He said, I about killed myself. I said, well, what woke you up? He said, well, when I, he said, I drove drunk and he about killed myself. I couldn't believe my ears. This young man that I had confidence in, he said, I lived a lie. He said, but I got born again, January 11th. I said, well, what happened? How? And he goes, he said, I shared with a young man in this church. And I told him what was going on in my life. He said that, and I said, I made that young man promise he would not tell no one. And he said, I got a phone call from that young man the next day. And that young man said, I am not. He said, I'm going to tell your dad. He's like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. He said, and I'm going to tell you why. And bless God for that young man and his answer. He said, I'm going to tell your dad. And here is why I'm going to tell your dad. Because, he said, if you should die in that state, you are going to hell. And... I do not want your blood on my hands. He said, I just about killed myself because of too much alcohol. And he said, ooh, was I scared. He said, one day, he said, my parents would come to me and said, what is wrong with you, Johnny? We know something is wrong, but we can't put their finger on it. He said, I find, he said, <laughs> he said, my dad, I got home after that phone call, that young man made, he said, my dad, <laughs> He said, my dad said, son, we got to talk. He said, I sat down and my dad just like, what is going on with you? Which he already knew because this young man shared. And he said, you know, he said, I was just going to wait till a certain um, event at our church was going to be over. And he said, I'm out of here. He said, that was the whole plan. But he said, God had a bigger plan. He said, you'll never forget. After his dad and the compassion his father had for him. He said, I got down in our living room. And he said, I knelt there. And he said, I gave it all to God. I gave it all to God. He said, as I just confessed sin after sin after sin after sin after sin. Of things that he said my parents had no clue that what I was involved in. He said, but they found out that night. He said, it was on Wednesday night, I believe he said. And he just shared. And you know, I have been marinated on that ever since. You know, why? You know, it's because we know the ways of God, but we don't know. I mean, sorry, we know the works of God, but we don't know the ways of God. And all my heart went out to this young man. But you know, as I talked to him, he had a smile on his face. His eyes were bright. 
And there was no, he said, you know, Glenn, he said, I still have my struggles. He said, I still struggle. He said, you know, he said, I got deep into sin. He said, I had, he said, moral issues, alcohol, and the list went on and on. But God had mercy on his soul. When he was done sharing, I said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't have to say anything. I just felt so moved. I just put my arm around him and just pray for him that God would keep his soul and that he would learn to know and grow close to God. And uh, that is my heart for the young people here, for each one here, that we would know the ways of God and his heart, his mind. God bless you.